Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and hello to all of my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. Thank you for tuning in once more, dialing in your magic radio waves to another episode of Draft and Draft Friday Night Podcast Edition. We're your draft on the go, driving from workplace to home, walking outside, getting some exercise, whatever it might be. We're glad to be your portable draft option. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of the Unlucky Lounge, joined, as always, by the dude that's as smooth as a curve that goes two, three, four, double spell, one of which is a removal. His name is Borok, my bear buddy. How are you feeling today? <coughs> You're right. The dawn has not just been sneaking up on the horizon. It has fully shone down on all of the MTGA players out there because, friends, it is limited cube season on arena and today we are gonna be cuban and enjoy that cube style we're gonna play out right here on the show a pretty fun limited time with cube but before we get to that quick housekeeping as always this podcast is brought to you by the believe podcast network check them out bleav.com or wherever you download your audio goodness. Find us on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube, all Draft and Draft Corey. Instagram, Corey, Damone, Enriquez. And if the show is giving you some joy, think about joining our Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Draft and Draft. The link is in the description. Help us keep the lights on here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, friends, our cube table is ready. I queued it up while we were doing that housekeeping. It just goes to show you how popular this format is. So I say no more waiting. Let's jump into cube, give some highlights, draft what I'm hoping to be a pretty gnarly and cool deck. But first, grab yourself a celebration. Grab yourself a drink, a beverage, a snack. Maybe it's cracking a pack. This, friends, is what we like to call the untapped step. Ah, well, that was a good sip, and that first sip always conquers all. Hopefully, it will help us conquer this pick one, pack one. At the top end, we have Agadim's Awakening. That's the reanimation land from ZNR. We've got Glasspool Mimic, also from ZNR. Spark Double from War the Spark, the copy. Uh, clone, it gets one of your Planeswalkers or Creatures, but it goes over the Legend Rule and gives it a counter or loyalty counter. Heroic Intervention, Warrant Warden, which uh, puts a creature that is attacking your block on top of the library, then makes a Sarah Angel. What I'm going to probably end up taking right now is Elspeth Conquers Death. It's the really amazing saga from the Theros Beyond Death set. I have found white control decks to be pretty nice and uh, quite pungent. There are a number of different Wrath effects floating around. And Elspeth Conquers Death seems like a good one. Plus, we pick up a few Planeswalkers along the way. We're we're pretty golden. Uh, pick two, pack one. We have Noxious Gearhulk, Masker Worm as black cards that uh, are really standing out as big mythic things. I, I like them, but, uh, you know, I don't know if I exactly want to go off of Elspeth Conquers Death with that. I found White-Black to be a little waning, but maybe a card like Noxious Gear Hulk and Elspeth Conquers Death is pretty cool. I've tried a couple times now to do Black-White Tokens and Aristocratian strategies to some unfortunate non-payoffs, but 
Eh, c'est la vie. We gave it a try for great science. There's also Baral's Expertise. This card has impressed me. Return up to three target artifacts or creatures to their owner's hands. Then you can cast a spell with CMC four less from your hand without paying its cost. I, I do like that, and I've had some success with blue-white control strategies, and I'm kind of into that as a way to get a big tempo swing. Uh, the other card is History of Benalia, but, you know, I just don't think that's the kind of card that we want to play in a deck that starts with Elspeth Conquers Death. So, we're going to take a Baral's Expertise. Ooh, pick three. We see a Torrential Gear Hulk. <laughs> For my listeners of the show in the past, we have had some success with this card. Uh, in the same realm of blue, there's also an Essence Scatter, a Thassa's Intervention, both nice Castle Vantress as the blue Scry Land, the castle from Throne, but we are in a good enough place right now. Quite early, we can take this Torrential Gear Hulk. It is a ambush blocker, and I have seen it really pay off. There's only a handful of instant speed cards that can effectively deal with it after you flash block it out. Plus, we get some kind of instant along the way. We are golden. So, happily, let's uh, put a Torrential Gear Hulk down on our stack, but we would certainly like to table this Essence Scatter. And we definitely want to find some more early interaction. Maybe we give up on the Elspeth Conquer's death and we're not too sad about it. Well, pick four, pack one. We had this deck before. We might just do it again. Wrath of God seems to be the card that stands out to me. It's the classic. It's the original Wrath. Two and a white, destroy all creatures that can't be regenerated. It is a nice game player. And I think that it's going to end up being our pick. There's also a Settled the Wreckage, which is really cool with Torrential Gear Hulk. But I think I'd rather just have the nice Wrath of God in the deck, destroy everything. There are some utility creatures that beg to be answered in certain ways. So let's uh, let's take the Wrath and go to pick five. Yeah, you know, Borok, decks like this want to prioritize non-creature spells because if we're going to be impacting the board in a wide sense, cards like Wrath, Wrath of God get worse when we, you know, are playing more creatures on the board so even though we want to go with that planeswalker feel grateful apparition does not i think complement us well what i'll probably take is an essence capture instead blue blue counter target creature spell put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature you control it is rough on the cost with being blue blue i don't think that counter synergy is going to be super relevant for us but you know, I think having an early bit of interaction and something to get with the Torrential Gear Hulk, both things are relevant. Pick six, a card we found in a similar blue-white control deck before, has made its appearance. That's Ondu Inversion. This is the MDFC Wrath from ZNR. Destroy all non-land permanents. Uh, land on one side, and then a Wrath for eight mana. It actually did something relevant before, so I don't want to just dismiss this card out of hand. But there is a Disdainful Stroke and a Valor Stance. Uh, this is the Modal Instant Spell. Destroy target creature with toughness 4 or greater, or target creature gains indestructible until end of turn. It's one of these. I think I'm going to take the Disdainful Stroke. The Counterspell is pretty relevant. Um, and even though Valor Stance is good, I think I would just prefer to have the counter to interact with things that aren't creatures. Pick 7. Pact of Negation is in this pack. It has gotten me a few times. What I am going to probably take, though, is this Exclusion Mage. 2-2 two, two for 2 and a blue. When it ETBs, return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. 
When it comes to decks like the blue-white, large mana, Wrath of God, late game control packages, you want a card like Exclusion Mage to disrupt your opponent's tempo in such an elegant way. You produce a chump blocker, you return, say, a 3 or 4 drop back to your opponent's hand, and then go from there. Besides the Exclusion Mage, there's Illyrius Enraptured, which is not really a card that I want, but partners quite well with Thassa, if you ever find that that is something that you can do. Take a look at it. The other card that really stands out, just as a talking point, is Selfless Savior. This is the 1-1 Puppo from M21 that you sack to make a creature you control indestructible. If you're playing creature-based aggro strategies, be in white. Find things that give your creatures indestructible, like this savior and, say, Unbreakable Formation, so you can shore up your matchup against blue-white decks like the ones we're drafting here today. Anyway, Exclusion Mage, get on the team. We're going to follow up that now with a Thirst Remaining. Draw three, then discard two unless you discard an enchantment card. It's an instant. Works nice with our uh, draw go strategy and is going to put us in a pretty decent place going into pick nine. This is where we actually tabled one of the cards we opened, Warrant Warden. The side that is instant, uh, that works nice with the Torrential Gear Hulk, is the put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. Then, of course, in the late game, it becomes a 4-4 white-blue Sphinx creature token with flying and vigilance. Happy to take that up. There's also that Glass Pool Mimic, but we're not a great creature deck at the moment, so the pick very clearly seems to be Warrant Warden, but just to clarify here, we've mentioned the card a few times, you don't get to have both spells, it's just one or the other. Either the nice interaction spell or the 4-4 flyer. So, Warden Warrant get on the team. Oh, we tabled the History of Banalia. Maybe we end up just playing this now that we picked up a Thirst for Meaning as a way to produce multiple tokens. Again, we're getting some board presence before we Wrath and doing some strategic trade-offs. And, you know, that seems pretty fair. We tabled the Essence Scatter and the Castle Vantress. Out of that pack that we talked about before, wow, that Essence Scatter is very nice to find. Borak, you're right. I think we might be in a place where we are going to have our strategy work out. We also tabled a Karuga. <laughs> a 5-4 when an ETBs draw a card for each other permanent you control with a CMC 3 or greater. You know, maybe we end up playing that. I can see us potentially getting some stuff that can complement well with that. Ketria Triumph. We'll make our stack uh, on the garbage time here. Cool thing is there's no such thing as garbage time, really. On to inversion tabled. I had uh, an inkling. Also, so did the Valor Stance. This is a good sign for us. The two cards that we talked about before, tabling. I think we are in a great lane, and we just play this like pretty reasonably as just an MDFC. And if we end up wrathing everything, we're very happy with that. Pick one, pack two. The mythic that's big is the Angel of Invention. Besides that, Disallow, which is a counterspell, we'll see that table. I'm not too concerned about that card uh, being something we won't find later on. Brineborn Cutthroat seems nice. I do like that. Cast Out is good too, another flash. This is the Amonkhet Flash O-Ring for three and a white and can also cycle up for one white. Uh, the card that I really want to take though is Silent Departure. One blue, return target creature to its owner's hand, flashback for four and a blue. This is a card that can swing board states so nicely and is early interaction, is late interaction. I know we'll table like Brineborn, Cutthroat, potentially Angel of Invention, maybe the cast out considering how pack number one went, but I really think that a disciplined pick here is to take the Silent Departure and I think we will silently 
gotta have fun with it, Boron. Come on, we gotta have some fun. Am I right? Pick two, pack two. Well, here's a card. Oh, wow. There's actually a lot of cards in this pack for us. We are now going to get to the point where we're going to ask the question of what is it that we can table. So at the top end, the big mythic rare slots in this cube, Angel of Sanctions is the thing that stood out to me first. 3-4 flying, Embalm for 5 and a white. When an ETBs, you exile a non-land permanent you control, uh, an opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. There's also a Realmed Cloak Giant. This is the Adventure Giant 7-7 seven, seven for 7 with Vigilance that sorceries to destroy all non-giant creatures. There is a Jace Wielder of Mysteries, which I also like a lot in decks like this. I think I'm really waffling right now between an additional Wrath or the Jace. The Jace is quite the win con, and considering how we are kind of brewing right now, I think I just want to take the Jace. This is a way to win the game. And as much as I like the Flyer and the Creature, uh, the adventure creature, I think that Jace just kind of hits the sweet spot for what our deck wants to do. <laughs> yeah, Borak. Talking about sweet spot, we got good old Sharknado Shark Typhoon showing up. This card has been a lot of fun to play, and we've got a lot of non-creature spells so far in our deck. I'm quite happy with that Shark Typhoon. Besides that, there's a couple interesting talking points in this pack. Uh, so we have Seagate Restoration. As a blue MDFC, draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. And then you have no maximum hand size. On the other side is Seagate Reborn, the blue land that you pay three for it to enter the battlefield untapped. I'd be happy to table that and put it into the deck. The other thing is Search for Azkanta. This is the legendary enchantment from Ixalan, where you look at the top card of your library, you may put it in your graveyard, and then if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, you can transform it into a blue land that impulses for non creature non-land cards. I Don't get me wrong, search is, is cool, but I'd rather have cards that affect the board than a card that we have to wait a number of turns before it gets going. So we're going to take the Shark Typhoon. If we table search, maybe we'll play search, but I'm not too interested quite right now into said search. Pick four, pack two in this cube draft. Uh, Maze Mine Tome really stands out. The four life gain is, I think, very relevant in certain matchups, and the card draw is relevant in the other matchups. This card hits the sweet spot of curve filler for our deck. It uh, waylays some aggressive strategies and helps us get to the parity card draw that other control matchups are going to beg, beg us to do. So let's take that Maze Mind Tome. Here comes pick five. Well, there's a number of things that look really cute in other decks, like Mentor the Meek. That looks really cute. Skycat Sovereign is an interesting one. It is that blue-white card. It is a nice one, but we're not looking to be playing a deck that has a lot of flying and a lot of attacking creatures. Kind of like what we mentioned before, Borok, when we said we wanted to potentially take that proliferate flying creature. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I, it, this card's such a bomb in Ikoria, but I think we're gonna take the Thirst for Knowledge. So now we've got both Thirsts, we can make these Thirsts work for us, and I can stop saying Thirsts so much because it is kind of hard to say on air. Thirsts, try it right now. I dare you listeners, say Thirsts. It's kind of a mouthful. Pick six back to. Wow, okay, so this is another tricky one. I, uh, we have two mono rocks that seem pretty good. Uh, Cultivator's Caravan and Icy Manipulator. 
I like the manipulator. I know it's on a monorock, and I said that before, but they're they're both things that kind of work nicely with the Karuga. Maybe you're just I'm just gonna like get off the Karuga. Honestly, I don't think we're gonna end up playing it from the way things look. What I'm gonna take though is a spell pierce, counter target non creature spell unless this controller pays two for one blue. This card has been very clutch for me thus far, and it almost always has some kind of target somewhere. Pick seven, pack two. This is really sad to see this hierographic illumination right now because. We're going to take this Voracious Great Shark instead. 5-4 Flash ETB's counter-target artifact or creature spell. I think it's exactly what the Doctor ordered. We're playing so much on our opponent's turn on the draw go. And I do like Hieroglyphic Illumination, especially because we can cycle it for one blue and then cast it later with Torrential Gear Hulk. And it works you know, for the card draw or the hand smoothing, but we're just pretty happy with a Voracious Great Shark here. Pick 8. Oh, no! Golos Tireless Pilgrim, a card that is an archetype unto itself. It searches for a land for five, it's a 35, and then you pay seven, some of which is Wooburg, and you get to play up to three cards that you exiled with that effect. That's nice, but we're going to take this Glass Casket. It's a discipline pick. Exile target creature with Vern Monocost, three or less, until Glass Casket leaves the battlefield. It's good. It's exactly what we want. Pick nine. Oh. <laughs> So, Cast Out is here, and so is Brineborn Cutthroat. Two cards that we pointed out in our first pick in this pack. I think we're going to end up just taking the Cast Out. I don't think we're going to be short of ways to win the game, so Brineborn Cutthroat does not need to make our stack. Uh, pick 10. Hey, another bit of endgame. Scholar of the Lost Trove. This card is the promo from Jumpstart, and it's kind of spicy and might do some stuff in our deck. 5 blue blue for a 5-5 five, five Flying Sphinx. When it ETBs, you can cast an instant sorcery or artifact from your graveyard without paying its cost. If it's the instant or sorcery, it gets exiled instead. This is nice. I like that card a lot for what it can do for us, potentially. Hey, and there's the MDFC we talked about, tabling that Seagate Restoration. It's totally, totally fine uh, just to play in our deck. And hey, the Skycat Sovereign did table, and honestly, we're going to be doing a lot of things on our opponent's turns, and it's a nice alternative monosync. Well, going into pack three right now, we've got a lot of interaction with our opponents. We've got some ways to win the game, so our priorities should be to finding some mana fixing. White blue lands to make our mana consistent, because we got a lot of double blue and double white, and I just want to be able to cast all the cards that we draw. Which will be a lot. <laughs> pick one, pack three. We don't, unfortunately, have any blue or white lands here. But there is an Ashiok Dream Render. We've got Jace already. And Ashiok kind of helps out that Planeswalker life a little bit. And is a very pungent way of closing out the game. Besides that, there's really not all that much to talk of. There's a Venerated Luxodon, which is white, which does the Convoke thing. It puts counters on creatures, but... You know, I think Ashok is just part of the Wincon. Goes nice with Elspeth Conquer's death. And we're going to go into pick two. And whoa. Planeswalker life we're living. Tezzeret Artifice Master is going to make our deck here. This is the M19 Tezzeret that is just amazing. It's in my Atraxa Commander deck. And by the way, listeners, if you ever want to play some Commander, just hit me up on the socials. I, I want to play some more Commander. I want more excuses to do so. But this card is very good. 5 loyalty, 5 costing Planeswalker. Plus 1, you make a Flying Thopter. 0, you draw a card. If you control 3 or more artifacts, you draw 2 cards instead. And then some massive, crazy search and play cards for free. 
emblem effect. We're just happily taking this Tezzeret. Wow, that was very, very nice. Yeah, Borak, and we took a crazy big card and followed up with a pretty disciplined pick in Mindstone. Oh, I love Mindstone. This card does not get enough love, I think, in the cube right now. Two colorless artifact tap to add a colorless, and then you pay one and tap it and sacrifice it to draw a card. Great early, great late, nice thing on our curve. Wow, that Mindstone was awesome. So good. Going to pick four, pack three. So now we are probably going to lean heavier on the Jace and the Ashiok plan. Patient Rebuilding is in this pack. Uh, this card is another one that if you've played cube a little bit, I'm sure you've run into this. It's the five costing enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep, target opponent mills three cards, then you draw a card for each land, put it into their graveyard this way. Yep, this card is just very, very good. So we are going to put it on our stack and not look back. And pick five, we get to follow up with another Wrath effect, Cleansing Nova. So we're in a good place. The last time I drafted this deck, we had some other really big Planeswalker hits like Karn. And granted, I think Karn is pretty much a slam dunk, take it every time kind of card. But Cleansing Nova is uh, part of that same equation of that deck that we drafted before and is going to end up making this deck right now. Our five and uh, up cost is looking a little bit glutted. We'll have to work on it a little bit. And it's quite sad that going into pick six, we haven't found a single white-blue source at the moment. We do see a breeding pool, but we're not gonna play that. We're just not. There's a staggering insight, I know, Borok, but we're not playing any creatures. This is just an enchant aura that does nothing for our deck. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a white-blue card, but I don't think it goes in the white-blue decks that want to do the white-blue thing. Pick seven, hey, we see a Rogren Triumph, but we also see a Folio of Fancies. Oh, I think we gotta take the Folio. The Folio is such a win con for our deck. I know I just said that we have to take white-blue lands. Oh, Borok, fine. You you convinced me. Rogren Triome. It's the Jeskai land from Ikoria. Yeah, we just... We have to take it. You're right, Borok. It just fits best into what we're trying to do. But hey, another MDFC comes to us. A Maria's Call. This is the mythic... Uh, white land from ZNR. That's pretty nice. We've got basically every single one of the MDFCs that are big and spicy in this format in our stack right now. So, hey, that's something. The table is going to find for us Ominous Seas or Merfolk Trickster. I'll take the Seas only because it cycles, but we're, we're, we're not going to play that card. If we end up playing that card, something very strange is happening. Uh, looks like we're going to garbage time now, friends, and our white-blue deck with a lot of wraths, a lot of stuff is coming together. Animation module uh, table, that's pretty cool. And so is a Perilous Mirror. Maybe we'll play that. I'm not quite sure. We've got some benefits for artifacts to potentially play, but in any case, the deck is happening. We have a lot of good stuff, a lot of merp stuff, but undoubtedly, the control package is the title of this deck. Will we be able to control ourselves and put together a solid 40? Or are there just too many good playables? Only way to find out is to stick around. We'll be right back after a quick little break. Stick around, my unlucky lounge rats.
Welcome back, all of my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. We hope you refueled, refreshed, and good to see that you've returned as we talk about this white-blue control deck that we just put together on air not just a few moments ago. Well, let's talk about an overall thesis when it comes to cube drafting, which feels significantly different than, say, a remastered format or even the contemporary limited format like ZNR. When it comes to cube, you're going to see a girth of playables and a lot of things are going to be in your sideboard and that's an okay thing even if those cards feel unmistakably powerful take for example skycat sovereign a card that we talked about before one one for one white and blue it's a flying it makes white cat bird creature tokens with flying and the sovereign is bigger with each creature you control with flying in ikoria this card was a slam dunk and it almost feels like it's a slam dunk in this deck. We're playing instant speed stuff all the time. We're draw going. But even that being true, we still want to think about what is it that our deck is doing. And our deck is playing a lot of destroy all creatures. It's playing a lot of control pieces. And even though we've got some instant speed stuff, say Voracious Great Shark, Torrential Gear Hulk, three different, four different counter spells in our deck playing on our opponent's turn. A card like this just begs removal from our opponents, and there's no reason for us to play more creatures than we have to when our true win cons are cards like Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, or Shark Typhoon, or Torrential Gearhulk, or Scholar, or Tezzeret. This is the way we're actually going to win these games. This is the way we're going to bring home the W. So a card like a 1-1 that is a good monosync just ends up not getting there. And truthfully... The bottom end of our deck, it really becomes a tough choice. Like, I had a lot of pain cutting the Thirst for Meaning. It's a great little draw spell on our opponent's turn, but we're not playing enough enchantments to take advantage of the card advantage the card presents. Instead, we're going to play the Thirst for Knowledge, which we can discard a Maze Mind Tome, a Mind Stone, a Glass Casket, and... Even if we don't, we're still going to position ourselves with a good card filter draw spell. And I, I don't want to double up on the thirsts, even though, you know, we had that whole thing about thirsts before. <laughs> Continuing onward, we had to then ascertain what's the deck's best way of winning. We have that Jace, right? We didn't take the Folio, we took the Rogren Triome instead. And we still have Patient Rebuilding and the Mill Ashiok from More of the Spark. All of these cards kind of add up to control mill package, right? Well, I think our deck actually serves better as just the control deck that's playing good planeswalkers, God of Voracious Great, Shark, Torrential Gear Hulk, Shark Typhoon, the Wardent Warren. I just feel like the mill package is good, not great in our deck, especially considering that we're playing best of one. That really is shifting the way that I want this deck to function, and I don't want to be partially mill and partially control i want fully one strategy and while we can still win off of jace wielder of mysteries in the long game i don't want to say play out a five costing enchantment that does nothing on the same turn that we play it and the same goes for ashiok we play the card we minus it and then we've sunk an entire turn into playing a planeswalker that can just be openly attacked and doesn't further with developing our board so those cards ended up getting the cut the final consideration in the 23rd playables actually kind of went to us, well, playing 22 playables. 
Well, the presence of the MDFCs, which we've talked at length about already in ZNR, kind of changes the equation. And I had to ascertain the final playable between being, say, a Perilous Mirror or an additional land. And our deck, I think, is quite mana-hungry. We have a lot of top end, like a lot, almost shamefully so. But we have a lot of good early interaction between Silent Departure, Glass Casket, three Counterspells on two, Exclusion Mage, Thirst for Knowledge to play on our opponent's turn alongside maybe a Cast Out. I just want to make sure that I'm hitting my land drops. So I had that final choice between playing an additional two drop in a Perilous Mirror, which can block and trade off something you know relatively mid-range nicely, or just to play an additional land. I decided to go with the latter, play the additional land, especially because when it comes to some of those MDFC cards, I do want to keep myself in a position where I can play them as the spells and not just automatically feel like I have to play them as a land. So our white-blue deck looking fine, looking good. We'll play out a game here on air, but once more, I encourage you to find me on Twitch, whether you watch me during the stream or you pick up the video on demand within the two-week time frame that the video on demand will be regardless find me and see this deck play out see the full list in its glory but in the meantime we got to play some cube games friends here we go my lucky lounge rats let's see if we can bring home a big w with our first cube draft of 2020 holiday season going to be on the play here opening on plains island on new inversion spell pierce scatter exclusion mage and scholar of the lost trove this is a pretty solid keep i'm going to run out the on new inversion on turn one just for you know tap land this deck is definitely mono hungry and that is a great example of how i'm pretty happy to play out that mdfc wrath early and just get some more going our opponents open on a mountain so Mono red matchups are a bit of an issue for us. Same those that kind of couple with white. I yeah, there is the plane. So we're playing on something mono or sorry red white. They play a Danto Vanguard. That card's a problem. So that Vanguard is gonna find our essence scatter and remove it from existence. No, thank you. We just hard stop. Do not want to have to deal with indestructible stuff on our opponent's side. Uh, we drew Trenchal Gear Hulk in a second land in our last two draw steps. So we have Gear Hulk, Scholar of the Lost Trove, Exclusion Mage, Spell Pierce, and Planes. So if they play anything that's, you know, basically anything, we can interact with it. Deck's looking pretty good so far, and the Trenchal Gear Hulk flashing in to counter our opponent's creature spell by exiling the, uh, the Essence Scatter seems pretty good. Our opponent goes with Tajik Legion's End, Haste Creature. That's some pretty good stuff. Thank goodness we have an Exclusion Mage. So we're going to Exclusion Mage it back to the hand, even though that did haste and get us for three. Haste is going to be pretty good against us. At least if they replay it, we can block with Exclusion Mage, which is quite nice uh, in that situation. They do have the ability to give a first strike, but it does require an additional mana than they're probably able to produce in the next turn. They've been curving out with their lands quite well thus far. They've got a bunch of cards in hand, and we drew Tezzeret Artifice Master. That's going to be nice for our deck, too. They're playing Underworld Ragehound. It's an aggressive card, don't get me wrong. So it is a 3-1. We're 1-red. 
It attacks each turn if able. It's from Theros Beyond Death. Has escape for three and a red, and it escapes with an additional counter on it. So, you know, we're, we're going to probably just snap off a block here, but ooh. So we drew a Seagate Restoration, which is nice for us as an untapped land to be able to play the Tezzeret. We're going to lose the three life, which is a little rough, but now we have Tezzeret on the board. We can start producing chump blockers with Tezzeret every turn for the Rage Hound. My guess is they're going to attempt to play Tajik next turn and give it first strike to live through their forced... Well, not, I guess they're not forced to swing with the Tajik, but, you know, we'll block with the Exclusion Mage and then they'll pay their full cost. They did have to play out their Kabira takedown last turn. The MDFC that deals damage equals the number of creatures to target creature or Planeswalker. <laughs> Feels pretty good to play Tezzeret after they play their Kabir takedown as an actual thing. Um, the saddest thing is we can't leave open Spell Pierce to counter a removal spell for anything they might do, but we're in a pretty nice control shell right now. And next turn, we can still draw an additional card. Oh, they play Heroic Reinforcements. Yeah, real sad we didn't have the Spell Pierce for that. That would have been very, very nice. So they're swinging out to Tezzeret. That's basically with a 4-2 and two 2-2s. Two <laughs> I said 2-2. Two -two. It does have 6 loyalty, so I think I'm going to block with just the Exclusion Mage to Underworld Rage Hound and let 4 damage head through to Tezzeret. Next turn, we'll be able to produce another Thopter and... You know, block those now 1-1 one, one soldiers that they produced off of the Heroic Reinforcements. And just for all my listeners, Heroic Reinforcements, it's uh, two red-blue. You create two 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens until end of turn. And then creatures you control get plus one, plus one in haste from M19. So now Tezzeret's got two loyalty. They have two 1-1s. One, we have a Thopter. And we just drew Jace Wielder Mysteries, which is pretty cool. Uh, I think I'm going to start by drawing a card off the Tezzeret. I... Ideal, I want to draw an untapped land. Like, that's just what I want. Great. So we drew the planes, which is perfect. So now we can flash in Torrential Gear Hulk and counter whatever creature they want to follow up with. And then we have an, also an Ambush Blocker. If they decide to just swing with the 1-1s to Tezzeret, then we just block. Tezzeret will take one, get one loyalty. But I'm reckoning they're going to probably try to play Tajik here. And then we're going to surprise them with the Torrential Gear Hulk, which is going to be really good in the long run. Yep, there it goes... The Tajik, now Trenchal Gear Hulk, flashes in, and we're going to be able to counter that by exiling the Essence Scatter that we played earlier this game. Things are starting to look quite up for us quite quickly, as now we've got a 5-6, a 1-1 Flyer, and Tajik is about to go bye bye Sweet stuff, friends. Sweet stuff. I think we might have just gotten over the... Ooh, but they did a braid. They did have an abrade for the Trenchal Gear Hulk. One of the few things in the format that can actually destroy that 5-6, so kudos on them. This attack will bring Tezzeret down to one loyalty. Yep, off the two 1-1s. One we will block with a Thopter, but, you know, next turn we can just make another Thopter, I suppose, and continue to protect the Tezzeret. If we can, Scholar of Lost Troves? No, we unfortunately... We did not draw the, uh, the final land that we needed although this is an interesting choice we can be a little greedy and take a chance by drawing a card off of desert trying to find the additional land or just playing jace wielder of mysteries um i think i'm just gonna play out the jace and draw a card i don't know it's really 
It's a tough call. It's a tough call. If I can keep my Tezzeret for a little bit longer, I'd be pretty happy about that. So yeah, let's let's give it a try. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the Jace this turn. And I'll mill myself as well, because I don't want to fuel their Underworld Rage Hound any more than I have to. And it's also going to give us more options for the Scholar of the Lost Trove that we're going to be able to play eventually here. And we draw... Ooh, we draw a Warden Warrant, which is going to give us a little more legs to keep our Planeswalkers alive. So even if they play a Haste creature with Warrant, we can put that creature on top of its owner's library and then just keep going. So... Pretty nice. We milled uh, Island and Disdainful Stroke. Disdainful Stroke is actually pretty bad in this matchup, so we're happy to see that. Sad to see the Island go, but, you know, we've got two Planeswalkers. They've got a 1-1. One, one, and we've got nothing but time ahead of us as we've... We're going to have the game plan of Scholar gets to enter the battlefield. And then bring back Torrential Gear Hulk. Sarkhan the Masterless enters the battlefield. Ooh, boy. That is a... Lanes-walker. <laughs> well, they're going to attack with their 1-1, trying to bring Teferi down. I don't think we're too bad off, because the Warrant does get to get rid of the flying creature if it attacks. We'll block with our Thopter on their 1-1. Leave them with a dragon. We have two Planeswalkers on the battlefield. We're going to have Essence Capture. We're going to have Warrant up. There's a high chance that we're probably just going to end up drawing some cards in our turn, and then keeping both Essence Capture and Warrant open for our opponent's turn. Hey, we drew a cast out. That's pretty good. We're going to make another Thopter and draw an additional card off of Jace. I'm actually very much hoping to draw an additional land off this Jace Wielder of Mysteries. But we've got a lot of things to do on our opponent's turn. Spell Pierce, Cast Out, Warden Warrant. We mill Rogren Triome, the Voracious Great Shark, but we do draw an Island. That was, that was very, very nice. So... I'm not going to play out the Scholar quite yet, uh, because Torrential Gearhulk, when we bring it back off of our Scholar of the Lost Troves, we're going to want to do a little bit more off it, and I think we can do a little bit more than just make a 4-6. So, with a, a Thopter, 7 mana open, we're going to pass the turn. Things are developing, and they're developing in a very spicy nature. Draw-and-grow strategy is doing well, Borok. I mean, Sarkin the Masterless is going to get a little painful because they're going to have two 4-4 four, four Flyers. But we do have Essence Capture, Warrant. We've got a Spell Pierce. Sure enough, Sarkin's going to become a flying creature now. But the Thopter token is going to be able to block the Sarkin nicely. And even if I cast out the Sarkin, that's a pretty good forward momentum. So... I think our plan here is going to be block the 4-4, the Sarkhan, the actual Planeswalker with a Thopter token, and then we're going to warrant the Dragon token to get it out of sight and out of mind. And then we get to remove a token. I'm feeling very zen right now. I'm feeling very relaxed. We've got some haste stuff going on, but, you know, I'm not fretting. Our Planeswalkers are, are holding down the fort, man. Now we can either cast out, we can spell pierce, we can essence capture... We can do all of that and more. Our deck, it slices, it dices, it answers everything that they are trying to do. They have enough to escape the Underworld Rage Hound. They have three cards in hand, six lands untapped. We're in a pretty decent place, and no matter what they do, 
They're going to Underworld Rage Hounds. That leaves them with two mana open. I think we're just going to happily Essence Capture that Rage Hound. They can probably re-escape that Underworld Rage Hound relatively soon, but for now, it's Gucci. It's Gucci. This cast out will come down. Get rid of the Sarkhan, the Masterless. Scholar of Lost Trove is going to probably enter the battlefield on our turn next, and life is just good. Hey, we drew Elspeth Conquer's Death. All right. That's some good stuff there. That's some really, really good stuff. We can just exile the Sarkhan now. And we can keep making some more Flying Thopters. We're getting close now, too. Winning with Jace Wielder Mysteries. We'll continue to draw and mill ourselves. They have to do some work. And the cool news is that Elspeth Conquers Death gets to bring back the Jace Wielder Mysteries, even if they find a way to answer our Jace after we try and just win off of it. We've got 15 cards in Library. And I think I'm pretty happy to just Elspeth Conquers Death right now. It doesn't allow us to keep open Scholar of the Lost, or sorry, the Cast Out. It doesn't allow us to keep up the Cast Out. You know what? Instead, I think it's probably just better for us to Scholar. Let's just go ahead and cast Scholar of the Lost Trove and bring back the Trench of Gear Hulk. I think that's some pretty good maneuvering for on our part. It's going to allow us to have multiple creatures on the battlefield now. And they have a lot to answer. And we can still keep open Spell Pierce. So, Scholar of the Lost Trove, get there. Let's make a 5-5, five, five, a 4-6. And I believe, and let's see if this works this way, when we choose the target with Torrential Gear Hulk being a Warden Warrant, although the instant half of the card puts back an attacking or blocking creature to the top of our opponent's library, because that has no targets, the other side will end up being cast, the sorcery side, that makes a 4-4 Flying Vigilant Sphinx creature token. I think this should work this way. Yeah, and sure enough, our 5-5 Sphinx of the Lost Trove makes a Torrential Gear Hulk, and then that makes a 4-4 Flying Vigilant Sphinx creature token. What a cool interaction, and yeah, sure enough, our opponent is off it. They scoop immediately to that massively game-breaking play, all thanks due in part to our super friend side of the deck, and we take home the first W of FNP 2020 MTGA Cube season. I think I kind of overcomplicated that last statement, Borok. I could have easily just called it, you know, the Arena Cube. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I can be a little bit long-winded at times, but I hope that you all enjoyed listening to a Cube Draft here in Friday Night Podcast. How will this deck perform? Super Friends, is it truly a viable strategy the only way to find out is to follow us on socials. On Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey, which will tell you when I'm about ready to go on stream on Twitch. Also, Draft and Draft Corey. Find me on Instagram, Corey Damone Enriquez. And be excited. The end of the year, we got a lot of stuff coming out. That includes our Kaldheim mystery episode. We've got collaborations coming down the pipeline, wrap ups for Kaldish Remastered and more. So find us wherever you can, and if the show is giving you joy, find us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. But truthfully, 
We're just glad you've come in to spend some time with us here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, friends, it looks like I've found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Cory, joined alongside Borok. <laughs> and this has been Draft and Draft Friday Night Podcast. Now go out there and make some magical cube memories of your own. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.